Welcome to the Jalal Azar podcast presenting Breaking Resistance. I'm Jalal John Azar. And I'm Francisco Herrera. And we're talking with entrepreneurs who have reached the peak through breaking barriers and obstacles in their personal and business journey to educate and inspire you to break your own resistance. All right, kids, gentlemen, ladies, boys, girls, welcome to a, a great episode of Breaking Resistance. This is going to be great. Yes, we're here with uh, two bearded legends. Um, I, I, but it, it's it's it sucks that I actually don't have a beard. I mean, Can I'm going like about. Is that possible? Uh, this is beard? actually oh, one year going to. <laughs> You know, when I was, tw- listen, we're going to get into this because I've known John for a long time. And when we were in college, I couldn't grow a beard. I don't remember it. I tried to. It never mm-hmm. made fun. Yeah. But look at me now, folks. Oh, man. It's That's- not where you start. It's where you end. Look at, you, look at you. Your beard game is strong. Your mama be proud of you, boy. I got into that. I got into that really heavy testosterone in my 30s. Okay, I'm so not, then I'm on my way. Then I'm on my way. I still have hope. John has already had it. He got into the thick testosterone in his late teens. Yeah, no, dude, I think I'm, like probably like a I'm 10 years old. technically in my like 70s right now by like my age standard. <laughs> y'all, y'all hear that sound of people clicking away from this podcast? Maybe we'll just get on. <laughs> All right, guys. So you you should already know this is going to be a great episode. I mean, you can already feel it. So, Chris Elmore, really appreciate you joining us today and being our guest. So, just a little bit of context uh, of of our of our guest today. He is an author. He's a musician. He's a professor. He's an innovator. He's an entrepreneur. He's an interest. He's the most interesting man in the world. This it's Chris Elmore. Thanks, thanks for being here today. Who doesn't yeah, Who doesn't have anything to do with a beer commercial, by the way? So <laughs> no, but I, no. let me tell you something. I met that guy. I met that guy in Houston, and and, uh, and he was he was a waiter at a uh, a steakhouse, and it looked and just sounded exactly like the most interesting man in the world. So really, anyway. wow. yeah, I I, I right. thought it was fascinating, and when he told me the specials. I ask him, is that the most interesting special you have? And that's <laughs> <laughs> the bad thing about humor. I tell my kids this. I, I got I got one child that's got a super quick wit, and I always say, you know, you're gonna you got some hard life lessons ahead of you. And it's like a superpower when you're when you're funny and witty, you gotta kind of control it or else, you know, because it can rub people the wrong way. Oh, I yeah. yeah, yeah, I totally get it. I totally yeah. get it. There's some softies, um, but it's okay. We we love the humor. Oh yeah, well, we're, yeah we're, we're gonna get it on this one because oh, anytime yeah. you put me and and John Azar together, it's it, trouble. It's bad, Francisco. I mean, <laughs> just just for the, for our audience to prepare themselves for later yes. down the line in the season, there's going to be a flip the script episode down the line. And Chris Elmore, would you like to tell them? Tell our audience what they're going to get with this flip. Yeah, what's going to happen is I'm going to be the host. Francisco's going to help me. We call. I'll be co-host. He'll be host. And 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 then and John Azar will be our uh, special guest. 
I know a lot of personal stuff about John. A lot of personal stuff. And I will be listing them all out in some kind of order that leads to a point where he just clicks the red button on the podcast and leaves in disgust. So that's going to be fantastic. I know a lot about this guy. How far you want to tell people how far back it goes? Oh my goodness! I we go we go as far back as right after senior year of high school. Uh, I mean, I think I I think I met you when I was a senior in high school, but we didn't get to know each other until we got into like first year of junior college. Yeah, yeah. When did you graduate high school? Eighty eight or eighty nine? Eighty eight, eighty nine. Yeah. So I think we met around that time, but we didn't actually hang out until until we uh, because we had some mutual friends that knew each other in high school. And I think we may have met in high school, but we didn't get to actually meet up, meet up until, until we were on Gaston college campus, baby. Yeah, that's it. Gaston college that we, we don't have a, um, a mascot. So I can't say the fighting, whatever, but, uh, <laughs> we're in the process of getting a mascot, you know, on the board of Gaston college, which is hilarious. Yeah, you know, I know. Yeah. How how do, how do you get a C student on the board of a college? You know, that's, that's what I want to know. Those are the most brilliant students. Those are the ones that actually make a difference. Half of the class that made the top half possible. That was oh, my God. Kids, you know, here's your evidence right there. Two long-haired hippie freaks who got into a community college who didn't know what the heck they were doing. And uh, look at us now. We still don't know what the heck we're doing, but we're still trying to figure it out. <laughs> I mean, at least I'm paying some bills. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. We, did, exactly. we didn't have that ability. We don't, we don't have to split pizza costs anymore, you know, or, or French fries, French fries costs. We don't have to French, French, French fries costs. I don't know. I just, Man, you, guys, we're not you guys go way back. You guys go way back. Yeah, I can, I can, I can't, I can't wait till you flip the script because I want to hear John's story. But anyway, this is about you right now. This is about you. We want the audience to know about you. Yeah, what do you want to talk about? Well, we know we know where you are now. We know how the success that you are today. Um, You know, you've you as Francisco mentioned earlier. uh, You're you're you 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 do it all. You're a writer. You're you're uh, you know you're an innovator. You've you've been you're part of a a unicorn, a technology unicorn in the Charlotte area. And you know it's it's you know you've done a lot of great things. Obviously, clearly, I know, and you know, we both came from humble beginnings. So, um, why don't we, you know, we, 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 you know, we, talk we about where, where'd you, where, where, where did you, how did you, where did you grow up? How did you grow up? Yeah. Don't tell the yeah. audience about that. Yeah, and, and um, I'll try to compress a little bit, but um, I grew up. Both my parents were teachers. My dad was a college professor. My mom was a kind of a elementary school teacher. She was a special ed teacher, and. You know, she was even a teacher's aide at one point. And, um, you know, so we didn't grow up around money. Uh, I call, I I grew up, I like to tell people I grew up poor, but here's the thing. I'm going to be real clear about that. I'm dead serious about this, by the way, is that there are people in this country that are poor. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, poverty is real. All we got to do is walk out our door and it's around us. And, you know, there are kids that are skipping meals and missing meals. That's not the kind of poor I was. You know, we were just kind of paycheck to paycheck kind of thing. And I like to tell people I was teacher poor. That's what it was. Is, is But let me, let me I'll, I'll tell you a story about what it means to be teacher poor. And you have to laugh at the end of it, even if it's not funny. Um, is that okay? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> so, so when I was a uh, when I was probably about fourteen years old, we 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 heated. My dad had this great idea to save money. He always had ideas to save money, and he had this great idea to save money that he was. We were going to heat our house with with wood heat, basically. You know, uh, we didn't have central heating and air and we just we just chopped wood. That was my job. I hated that. My brother and I had to chop wood and then we we would get that fireplace as hot as it could could go. And it was supposed to heat the whole house, which it never really did. But <laughs> it was bad. But so we grew up in Boone and it's cold in Boone, some mountains in North Carolina, for those of you who don't know. And in one Christmas morning, we're walking down to open Christmas presents and the chimney starts on fire. And if you've ever been part of a chimney fire, because what happens is this stuff builds up inside the chimney. And then if it gets sparked just right, it, 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 it basically looks like someone shooting a Roman candle out of the top of your chimney. Wow. Yeah. It's just, and it, and it sounds like a freight train is running through the middle of your house. So this chimney is on full blast on fire. It's like, this is what it means to be teacher poor is that my dad is running down to the basement to put the fire out. And my mom is handing him a present. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh my God. That is good. My, my dad is like, Joe, we don't have time for this. And my mom had bought him a fire extinguisher for Christmas. Oh, my God. <laughs> no way. Oh, my gosh. That's that what I mean. Talk about cool. time. Oh, my God. That was her present? It was a fire extinguisher? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> One year he got a, a dishwasher, he got a trash can. I mean, that's what it means to be poor, is that teacher poor, is that you get these practical gifts. That's amazing. Yeah. That is amazing. Yeah. It wow. only happened. <laughs> oh my gosh. That is an amazing story. That's but, really, but your really dad, I, and, I, and I know your dad, this is coming from knowing your dad. Your dad must have, you know, your dad instilled a lot of great values in you guys. And, you know, I, you know so, so, you know, coming from as a teacher, you know, aside from being teacher poor, you, 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 I mean, you had some amazing values coming from your dad. What is, what was that like? Yeah. yeah thanks for that. I mean, it, by the way, the great thing about being teacher poor is as unlike any other poor, because I want to make that distinction is that when you're teacher poor, you have access to a lot of opportunities and you have access to a network that's actually pretty good. And so you have access, you know, that's the thing. So there was, at no point did I ever feel like I was poor, you know, because I felt like whatever I wanted to do. And that's the thing that my dad instilled in me, John, is that he was always, he was always an advocate of, you know, you're going to do whatever you need to do. You know, I'm trying, I'm not, I'm not voicing it very well. Is that never, never one point did I ever feel like there was nothing that I couldn't do. And, and for a kid, that's pretty important. Now, yeah. I, I always I always listened to my dad because he had wise advice and I never listened to my mom and she hates that. But here's the thing. And this is, I think this is important is that I watched my mom and my mom demonstrated such integrity that what your word is your bond. Even though I don't want to do something, I still have to do it. She she demonstrated all of those. So I listened to my dad and I watched my mom and I got I, I really got the best of both of those worlds. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's Absolutely. And those are very important. I think that just the, the fact that when you come from a humble beginnings like that and you have your parents who can instill those type of values in you, 
doesn't matter how you really started, whether if you were uh, meant, if you were in, in a way mentally poor, just because I know we, we just had this conversation the other day, or at least somewhat came from poverty. As long as you come up with those values, you really are rich in value. You know what I mean? So, so when you come up, you bring all that with you. So you can change, you can, you can change your life, your, your lifestyle as you're growing up, just because you were really rich with the values that your parents were really able to give you. I was, I was pretty, I was pretty confident without being arrogant that whatever I wanted to do, I I was going to be able to do it. Now there's a lot more I can say about that. We can get into it, but you know, but I I think that's, that comes from your, again, knowing your parents, Chris, I mean, knowing Joan and, 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 and your dad, I, I think they've always treated you. And even just from early times and when I hung out with you when we were kids, it's, like you know, it, it, they always treated you like you could do anything. Like there was no, there was no, there was no, you know, obstacles as far as, especially not financial obstacles. Like you know, hey, like if you wanted to to be a CEO, yeah, that's great. Go study and be a CEO. Like you know, there was no, they didn't tell you like, hey, you can't. Am I correct? No, you are absolutely correct. But here's well, there's a couple of nuances. One is my mom gets really nervous about. Um, um, taking chances. So I learned, I learned pretty early not to tell my mom what I was up to. Now that was mostly because the things we were doing, Johnny, were illegal. <laughs> That's not true. That's not true. Leave it to an Arab immigrant to, to lead us in, in North Carolina. That's boom boy, true. illegal That's stuff. But hardcore team. Yeah, my brother and sister, uh, they didn't get the same thing. So they, they always, I always think about that. You know, now that we're all in our fifties, which is kind of wild, um, they they took completely completely different paths, and um, for some reason, they didn't get the hey, you can do whatever thing you want. They didn't get the hey, you can do whatever you want. Reach for the, no, I don't want to be reach for the star, but. They they turned out completely different in the same environment. So I always think about why that is. I mean, I'm I'm thankful, but yeah. um, completely different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 100%. What what so? What do you think made you particularly different? Well, let's get into it. I was a terrible student. I I struggled in school, um, and when I was in college, I was diagnosed with dyslexia. I. Uh, I don't, I don't tell people that a lot because I, one, I don't like to talk about it because it, you know, it's qualified as a learning disability, but there's nothing about it that's been disabling me at all. You know, it was only, it was only a disability when I sat in a classroom, listened to a, a teacher and tried to read and write. That was the only time that it was a problem. Um, you know what? Speaking of problems, are you going to edit this? <laughs> We could, we could. Yeah, what do we need? my computer's my computer's getting ready to die. I got to go get my charger. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. Go yeah, ahead. Do it. I love this. This is awesome. <laughs> He's great. This is He's awesome. amazing. By the way, the conversations are always like this, whether it's we're we're in person or or over <laughs> podcast. No, I can tell. It's way worse than this. It's it's yeah. It's way I can only imagine this. the behind the scenes when you guys were doing your your show uh, with um, what was it with the uh, whiskey? 
Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Those, are, those are good. That's getting ready to come up. All right. So uh, I need to start back on something. So we're talking about this. Okay. Here's what I want to say is that I was a terrible student. Um, let, me, let, me tell you, let me tell you a story just real quick about, about what it's like to be a terrible student. Is that um, when I got in college, uh, just right before I met Johnny, when I got in college, my, my grades were so bad and my SAT score, I think it was, I, my wife made um, more on her English side of the SAT than I did the entire test. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see why that's funny. <laughs> I, I laugh because I can sympathize because, you know, I, 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 I attempted to take the SATs. You know, I ended up taking another test that was called TOEFL before getting into college that was specifically for, for foreign students. But when I, took my, when I took my SATs, I think I was, I was, when I was comparing to one of the people that were in high school that was, I, I think it was Greg Nifon. I don't know if you remember Greg. So I, do, yeah. I, I think I was comparing and he, and he said, was, what was the other part of your score? <laughs> I said, I that, that was my entire yeah. score. What do you mean, another yeah. part? He <laughs> was, was a pretty studious guy. I mean, he was a pretty studious guy. He was. But, he was. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so I was like, well, go ahead, John. No, that's not, that's it. That's it. I'm similar to you. I'm like, you know, my entire score was like, you know, looked like some people's half a score. It's, it's not good. And by the way, and I, you know what? I, have this in a box. I saw I saw it recently, but I didn't know this. The, I thought part of the SAT was you filled out the colleges that you wanted to go to. So I filled out a bunch of colleges, but I didn't know that they automatically sent your scores to those colleges. So I started getting these rejection letters without even applying. I'm the only one that I know has been rejected from the school without oh application. God. <laughs> I always get these big stack of you suck, you suck, you suck. You're never going to make it in this school. And by the way, let me tell you something. Every single one of those schools has come around and asked me to teach there. So oh what's that about? God. That's amazing. So, so here's the thing, is that when you are that bad and you, the only option you have is community college, which I love community college. And when you're that bad and your only option is community college, the first thing the community college does is they, they need to take you back and put you into remedial classes and try to build you up to college level stuff, which was great. I needed it. But the first thing, the first class I took was a reading class and they sent me in that reading class and they gave me a test because they wanted to see where my grade level was on reading. And then the next day, now actually it was Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So Wednesday, they, the teacher said, all right, all we're going to do all day today is I'm going to call you up one, one at a time and we're going to go through and talk about your scores and we're going to set some goals around what we think you can, what reading level we can get you to. There's still about 30 people in the class and she's calling out names and they're talking and I hadn't, and then I realized this, and I, this is a true story. It was so painful. I realized that she was calling the, um, the students up based on their grade level. And so it was like 30 people, it was like 15 people, it was like five people. And then it was down to me and one other girl. And I remember, I remember sitting there because she had found out that it, they're being called up on grade level from the highest to the lowest. And uh, the teacher called her name. And I remember the look on her face was such relief that she wasn't had the lowest score in the class. 
And when, when that teacher called me up there, she said that I was reading on a fourth grade, uh, six month level. And, and I, you know, that kind of, that was pretty bad. And, wow. And yeah. Yeah. That's pretty so, bad. Wow. That yeah. one she said, what's that? That one kind of, kind of, it hit, it hurt a little bit. It hurt a lot. It hurt a lot because, you know, I'm like, here's what she said. She said, the best we can do is try to get you up two grade levels. She said, I've never seen anybody go more than two grade levels. So I'm like, oh, great. Sixth grade. But this is my whole point behind this. Wait, this was, this was your freshman year in junior college? That's right. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Man. So, wow. And you know, part of my backstory is I went to Myrtle Beach for a year to try to start a speed metal band. I have no idea how that didn't work. <laughs> I mean, it was such a great plan. And, you know, uh, and so, so it wasn't like I had been doing a lot of, you know, reading and writing. So I was completely cold going into it. But that was, that. Was, so I started, um, I started college on reading on a fourth grade reading level. But wow. the, uh, the point of the story is this, is that, and this is a long way around to talk about um, the asset that I got from that investment. And you think about real estate, you know, real estate, we got brick and mortar. I'm going to give you money. I'm going to own that. I'm going to beautify it. And then my hope is that I can sell it for more than what I got it. You know, that's my asset. I'm going to invest in it. And the investment in this was pain, anguish, and humility. You know, that was a, it was a pretty big check to write, a big check to write. But I walked out of that, and I remember this, and I remember, hopefully, hopefully, Johnny, you'll remember what campus was like. You know, it kind of had spread out and had a walkway this way and that way. And I remember which walkway I was walking down. And I, I, to, I told myself, I told myself right then and there, have you had criers on the show yet? You're the first. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> You're among friends here, obviously. More than but friends. Here's the thing. I. So, that was the moment that I graduated from college. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully that makes sense because, I mean, it, it took me four years later to actually get the degree, but. That was that the moment was, you told yourself you're going to graduate from college. That's right. That's it. Yeah. I, 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 I signed up. I was all in. And at that point, there was, um, there was absolutely nothing that was going to stop me from doing that. And yeah. I think that, that I, hope, I hope that resonates with somebody. Oh, because, I think it resonates with everybody. Well, but here's the thing, John, and, 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 and I, I probably should let you guys talk so I can compose myself a little bit. Because here's the thing, is that how often do people not do that? How often do people just kind of, you know, well, I hope it works out, but they never say, all right, this is getting done and I'm mm -hmm. doing it and that's it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, where the real mind, where the real mind really shifts and it says, you know what, I've, I'm, I'm sick and tired of just the same old thing. And it, yeah. And so it, there has to be some sort of switch and there's a lot of people never turn on that switch. It's a, yeah, it's a, it's in, in, in the thing is, 
And the thing is, that's grit. That's grit. That is, it, it, you know, uh, our colleges and universities are trying so hard to prepare our students for the real world, but that's what they need. And, and, and that's, that's, where, that's where I got all of my success from, was that situation in that moment. Being a terrible student at a university and saying, no matter what, it's, it's if, if oh, by the way, um, when I got out of that class, I was reading on an 11th grade reading level and it shocked the teacher. But that was the moment that, and, and by the way, I can actually, I can rewind all of my success back to that very moment because that's when the grit set in. And grit's carried me through. I can't tell you how much stuff. You carried it well, my friend. You carried it well because even even for me, I mean, I knew eventually when I got to know you, I knew some of those some of the stuff, some of the underlying stuff. But you carried a pretty good patina back even back then. For you know, for an eighteen year old, you definitely carried a pretty good patina of 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 strong and and like. Um, I mean, I this didn't show this that 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 side did not show back back then, and I'm sure it was with a lot of effort from your part. Yeah, you know, but then, then, and then there's another thing about it that there's certain things that I just don't care about. And there's certain things I, don't, I just don't worry about. And one of the things, I had somebody tell me this years later, but I think it makes a lot of sense. And that is um, the problem with comparison is you always compare the weakest in you to the strongest in somebody in somebody else. And it's never a fair fight. It's just not a fair fight. And once I heard that, I stopped comparing myself to anybody and everybody. But there was a freedom in that that allowed me to just go on and do whatever I wanted. And so there's been a lot of there's been a lot of me not worrying about uh, failure, as an example, or me not worrying about a consequence that this is a big one, especially in today's economic political environment. We won't go there. But there's just certain things that I just can't worry about. And I've been, I've been really good over the last 30 years of, of, of spending time around those things that I, I, I have influence over. Well, that was a really good nugget. Back up a little bit. What was that saying you just said? The weakest in you is the strongest in somebody else? What? Yeah, so comparison. The problem with comparison is you always compare the weakest in you to the strongest in somebody else. In somebody else and it's yeah. not a fair Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and we do it all the time. And I used to, one of the things that used to bother me is that somebody would have a nicer car than me. And I was like, God, I'm, I know I'm making more money than them. And it's like, why can't I have a nice car? This was years ago. And the reality is they probably were saddled with debt up their eye. And, you know, who knows what, how good that car, it's just all perception, but it's the weakest in me to the strongest in them. I love that. I love that. That's a, that's a good, that's a cool saying. That's a good, that's That's a good, that's a good little nugget. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, so, so Chris, just to back up a little bit. So we know that you were a terrible student, as you mentioned, it was hard for you to really kind of just sit and then I can relate uh, to you because I mean, I tell John all the time, it's really hard for me to just, sit and listen to somebody and learn, I tend to actually learn better, more hands-on. And I'm sure I'm not the only one. It's hard for me to just kind of stay focused and try to ingest everything versus me just kind of doing things and then I learn as I go. That's always just been me. I've been just more practical versus just kind of reading instructions. 
But what's your thought process now, like uh, as you being on the other side uh, of the spectrum, like as far as you now going to these universities and teaching versus you, you couldn't even sit in a class and really like pay attention. How is that now really working for you? Yeah, well, we're very, we're fortunate because one of the things that closes the gaps on disabilities, like the ones that I had is technology. And, you know, there's, there's, there's probably every reason in the world that I eventually found my way to high tech. And, and, and not only did I make a home there, but I made an impact there. And I'm, there's more impacts to be made because there, it just seems like that, Francisco, that learning style that you're talking about. And then, you know, look, I don't text. I talk to my phone and my phone texts for me. I mean, for someone with dyslexia, that's beautiful because I don't have to worry about, you know, because one of the problems I have is that when I was writing, I, I, I didn't know if it would, it would spell check the wrong word and I'd sound like an idiot. And, and the, the, so tech, tech has closed the gap. Um, I don't require any of my students to do any reading. Every, you're going to love this. Every, all the information they get from my classes from a podcast. Wow. I, yeah. And let me tell you something. And here's the, here's the funny thing about it is I'm actually putting one over on them because I have the ability to push three times more information through podcasts than I do a book. So for every hour that they would spend reading a book, I actually can push three hours of podcast to them. Mm. So the ability to get more information through because it's, it's on their phone and it's in story form and uh, it's, it's pretty entertaining. So they're able to absorb it quicker and we have better discussions. Who, what, 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 what podcast are you subscribing to your students? Are, are they like different podcasts or like any, you know? yes, different ones here and there? And yours probably won't make the cut. But <laughs> <laughs> why you always got to be turning me down, man? This is part of our this is one of our hurdles. Okay, so we need to get over this. Yeah, we're we need good. to push and break the resistance here. Yeah, we okay, already we're hit, resistance. We've already hit that grit moment last year with the launch of P15. <laughs> believe me. So. Okay, that's good. I want to hear about that. But um, how I built this is the biggest one. The NPR, how I built this, mm-hmm. it's it's the best one, and 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 we'll. Well, I think we'll we'll hear from about twenty different entrepreneurs through that podcast. Yeah, well, the thing good, is, I get to have those. What's that? That's a good podcast. That's a good one. It's a great podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to get on it. Let me uh, let me move yeah. us move us down the line a little bit as far as time is concerned. You, I, you know, I know you. We've been through obviously. I, we graduated college. We finished. We you, you had a different aspiration in college. Than you did later on in your professional career. Oh God, I was hoping this wouldn't come so, up. So you know, we we you know, and I know you change along the way, and and so tell us a little bit about that change. You pursued something after college, but then you change into you switched into the business world at some point. Well, you know, though the thing is, I never really. I I, I mean, I, I appreciate what you're saying because it. it, uh, it I did switch, but in reality, I switched back to something I wanted to do in the first place, which I always wanted to be a, a businessman. I remember taking a class and uh, a vocation class in ninth grade, and I said, I want to go to college and I want to start my own business. And then they send you through a battery of tests. And then this is what they would do to you in the early 80s. They said, don't go to college, you'll fail, and don't start a business because you're not smart enough, you know? <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, that we can they never just let you have it. Like that <laughs> you know, so they were wrong. And then they made suggestions. They said, you should look at retail sales, auto mechanics, and um, uh, being a police officer, which I'm cool with the police officer thing. Retail sales, that drive me crazy. And I got a high-end sports car in this garage that begs to differ that I should be anywhere remotely around auto mechanics, you know? <laughs> It's dead. It's dead to the world. <laughs> but anyway, what, so what he's talking about was I had I got a degree in history and museum studies, and uh, I thought I was going to go into the museum world, but in reality, I had a moment. I had a moment um, in my internship where it showed to me that politics was going to be part of my life if I entered into the museum world, and I, I, I wanted nothing to do with that, nothing at all. Now, my uncle had been selling life insurance, and I couldn't get a job to save my life. And he said, why don't you come out to Greenville, North Carolina, and start selling life insurance with me? And I, I thought that was great. And I fell in love with selling. I was terrible at it. I tell people the first year I was in business, I did, I did make six figures, $2,163.72. Wow. Yeah, it was. That's impressive. You can still remember that number. I can't. I sold a lot. I didn't sell any life insurance, but I sold my couch, my TV. You know, <laughs> I, it was it was just bad. And, and, and Adela, we were we were recently married, and she was the literally the breadwinner. She worked at a pizza place and got thirty five dollars a week and all the pizza we can handle. So, uh, <laughs> but anyway, I, I fell in love with selling right then and there. And I'll tell you, there's, so there's two numbers that has changed my life. And it all goes back to this notion of grit is that as I was trying to get my sea legs on professionally, what I should do. And back then it wasn't talked about to be an entrepreneur and back then, you know, in order to start your own business, you had to have a huge capital outlay and you had to have inventory and you had to have brick and mortar and you had to have. And so it was it wasn't as agile as it is today. Uh, I think it's fantastic for anybody coming up right now. But um, it's a whole but, different environment today than, than it, it was. It is a whole different environment. But that's positive and negative. You know, the. The negative is, is you feel like you should be able to do it, but in reality, business principles still apply. And I ask students, I say, what's, uh, what's the number one reason why businesses go out of business? And then we go around in the circle for about 10 minutes and it's, well, you know, they just didn't know their market. They didn't know this. They didn't. And, and, and I, I stop them and I say, no, the number one and the only reason is they run out of money. That's it. That's the only reason businesses go out of business. They run out of money. If you don't want to go out of business, don't run out of money. Easier said than done, but then let's take another step back from that. What do you have to do not to run out of money? You know, what behaviors are you, are you going to, what habits do you get into every day that ensures that you have plenty of money? You know, in our, our tech company today, we call money oxygen. You know, how are we breathing? We're doing good. You know, is it feeling good? So, I realized this. I realized uh, uh, kind of going through about three to four years of what the world would call failure, what I would call kind of trial and error around selling life insurance. So I sold life insurance. I sold for two different companies. Couldn't make a go of either of those. I sold temp service. You know, I really couldn't make a go of that. I sold direct mail advertising for two different companies. Couldn't make a go of that. 
um, after about five years and six companies, I, I, um, I had a realization that it wasn't my manager and that it was me. And I said, I said to myself, and there's only been a few moments of, of pure wisdom I've had in my life. And this was one of them. I, I can tell you another one if you remind me, but the, I realized that one of the most difficult things a salesperson could do is cold call. So I told myself, I said, no matter what, when I go to a new opportunity, the next thing I'm going to do, first of all, is hell or high water, I am not going to quit. And then, the, and, I'm, and then I'm not going to make any other plans until I perfect the cold call. And then I proceeded within about a year and a half to do 5,000 cold calls. And that changed my life. Because I tell you what, if you want to learn how to build rapport, you should cold call. If you want to learn how to do an elevator pitch, you should cold call. If you want to uh, learn how to instantly create a, 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 um, a genuine relationship with somebody, you should cold call. And not one of those skills has ever left me. I learned everything, one of them, from those 5,000 cold calls. Amen. I love it. That's amazing. I love that. That's amazing. That's, uh, hey, man, I'm, I'm here to attest the, thing the same. It's, it's, it's... Go ahead. No, Johnny, keep rolling, dude. No, 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 no. I, I, I was, I was going to say that it's amazing how your path and my path about self-discovery coincided somewhat in around a similar, similar manner because I learned a lot of things about myself and a lot of things about selling and a lot of things about relationship management and relationship development through cold calling. I was doing it for a different reason and different company and, you know, 2,000 miles away from you you know, when I was, when I was selling stocks and bonds in Boston, but, but I, but I went through the same process. I was cold calling, you know, three, 250 people a day. So, Look, you know, you guys are, you guys are cold calling, trying to sell a service. I actually come from a collector background. So I was actually calling people to collect money. So I was making about 600 calls a day trying to reach these people. For it. So I completely understand about how we can really develop you into like having better relationships in that report. You had to one up us, didn't you? Speak. 600 calls a day. You had to one up us on that. Yeah, 600. <laughs> I had to, I had to do that because I can't, I don't have the beard to keep up with you guys. I at least have to reach, reach did, the top. Somehow. I did a thousand calls a day. What do you think? My dad did a thousand. <laughs> I did that. I did 50. I did 50. You know what? I knew, I knew if I, I did a couple of times I did like 90 and a hundred in a day, but when I was doing that many, I wasn't having enough conversations. So I tried to concentrate on having 50, 50 dials and about five, five good conversations. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was different back then. I mean, you guys were just manually dialing, right? Oh yeah. You guys didn't have oh, the yeah. software yeah, like we did today. What are you talking about? Yeah. You know, it's not the- <laughs> <laughs> we were we were manually yeah, dialing, Francisco. That's right. Yeah, you were you were manually dialing. That's right. Yeah, my, my, uh, my boss, I was my able boss to... used to walk up to me with a with a with a stack this thick about of of leads, and he's like, "Here's your leads for the week. Start dialing." Yeah, just uh, Glengarry. Uh, it's like a Glengarry style. Just seriously, like just straight out. Here's the leads. These are not the weak. Way You're weak. I, the way that I got my. Um, uh, ABC baby. The way that I got my leads is I went and looked through the newspaper. I mean, how stupid is that? So, you yeah. know, the newspaper is no longer around. 
No, but no, that, uh, that cold calling taught me a lot. And, you know, the thing about that, I was I was fortunate because I look back and the reason why I don't know if I made this point, but the reason why I picked cold calling was because it seemed like it was the most important activity that had the biggest result. You know, it wasn't the only activity. And I think a lot of salespeople, they get, you know, have you heard the the the, the kind of joke where one salesperson sits down the other salesperson at the end of the day and says, man, I've been busy all day. And the other salesperson says, yeah, I hadn't sold anything either. You know, yeah. it's, it's, you, know you can kind of, you can kind of fool yourself that you're doing important stuff. But in reality, when I, when my finger hit that, hit those buttons in that, in that, in that phone rang on the other end, I believe that that was the most important thing I could do with the biggest impact. Yeah. And that came, that, that showed itself as true. The other thing is, is I believed that it was also a skill that most people weren't willing to do. And, and that was another thing that I, I saw is that, and that's something that I'll tell young people, any, anybody, but mostly young people is that if you want to, if you want to succeed in corporate America, um, find the biggest problem you can own, be thankful that you own that problem, solve that problem, and then go find a bigger one. Do that for 30 years, turn around and look at the hill you're standing on. It'll be absolutely remarkable. The separate, and you know, how many people nowadays want to do the polar opposite of that? You know, I just want to be left alone. I don't want any issues. You know, I just want to go about my day. And I never, yeah. And it just never really fit with me. I wanted to go after the the biggest and most egregious issue I can. I'm still doing that. That's amazing. No, and that's an amazing way to actually put it because it's true. It's very, very true. Everybody just wants to stay in the in the safety zone. You know what I mean? Nobody really wants to kind of go out of their bubble and, and, and pursue something much greater. And you'd be surprised how far you can really get when you really aim I think you're. I think we're it's seeing that, that nothing neutral. happens in the safety zone. Nothing happens in the safety zone. Nothing. Everything that is life-changing, transformative, successful, uh, meaningful, every, all of that happens in the non-safety zone, in the discomfort zone. I mean, that it, it... Well, something know. does happen in the safety zone. Regret. Oh, yeah. Because... Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Regret will happen in the safety zone because you will run, you, you will continue to just be in that one spot your entire life. And then you're going to look back and be like, man, I really did nothing my entire life. I literally risked nothing. You, I, you, you did risk by not risking. You know what I mean? Well, I, I had a mentor say, I absolutely know what you mean. I, I had a mentor say the, the, this, I got to get this right. The, the, the easiest way not to fail is never to do anything. And I'm like, but you know, let me tell you something. I, I don't think I've ever done anything that was a failure. I don't, I just, uh, you know, that goes all the way back to you asked me about my parents and having the mindset that I can do anything that I want to. I don't think, and then I, 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 recently I developed a definition. By the way, I love to define things. I, I don't think you can achieve anything that's not defined. If people want to be successful. They want to be happy. You know, they want to have a good day, but they don't have a definition for any of those. And, and I do. And, and I make sure that I hit on it. And it, and it, and it kind of allows me to, 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 to go after those things. But here's the best thing, does is that when you define something and you actually do what you need to do on this day, that helps you towards that definition. 
at the end of the day, you have the right to take it easy. Your mind is settled. There's nothing that you're, because, you know, when, when you don't do the things that you need, you know you need to do, you're never settled, you're anxious, you know, you do what John does and, you know, you do six shots of Johnny Walker. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, that is, that is semi, semi true. I can't, I can't, you know, I, I, I resemble that fact. So no, that's not true. None of that's true. But, the, but do people do turn towards those or recreation or, or and the great thing about going after something that you define uh, is that when you do, you know, you did the work, you know, let's talk about the cold call. When I did my 50 cold calls, I was done for the day. And I, and, and even though I didn't sell anything that day, I knew I was making progress towards something. And it started to see. Oh, it's 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 oh, learning. It's learning. It's every if you you learning something, you learn something tremendously. I guarantee you from every day that you made fifty phone calls. And and, the, and you know the best thing I learned is I was pretty good at it. And you know it takes you to go through about three hundred to figure out what you're doing, and then another three hundred to get your sea legs on it. But so my definition of failure. You ready for this? Is that you do something really stupid twice. And um, I was talking to my coach about this. I have a, I have kind of like a business coach and he's a great guy. And, and, and he and I share information back and forth and we call it tuition, you know? And, and so he made a big bet on this thing and it didn't work out. And he calls it his tuition. You know, I paid $250,000 to go to school on that one. And I said, the good news is, well, ne- you'll never do it again. And that's the thing is that if you, so if you do something stupid twice, that's a failure. But if you do it once, it's pure education. I like to say, I'll go to school on it. I learned something on that one. That's, that's, awesome. that's a good one. That's a good definition. That's a good definition. I, I, Chris, I, ca- I actually wanted to touch on something if I, if I can. So uh, you were actually, you're, you were called the, the startup hero. Uh, I want to say by the North Carolina Business Magazine. Like, how 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 does that feel for you to like? How, how first off, how did that come about? Like, why are you known as the startup hero? That's an interesting point. Well, you know, the company that I helped start is it's it's a big name and it's got a lot of buzz around it and it's raised a bunch of money and it's um, you know it's it's a uh, it's tech unicorn you know uh, and uh, so just by sheer virtue of being attached to that, that's where I got kind of that, that title. Um, I did a speech at UNCC and there was a reporter in the audience and I didn't know it. And I said something stupid and he reported on it and I got in big ass trouble inside of my company about it. It was a big learning lesson. But then that reporter came back around and said, I wanted to do a, a full length article on this guy. And the company at this time said, all right, whatever. And so the article comes out and it was a really good one. I mean, it was, it it got to talk about a lot of the things that I like to talk about, which is, you know, grit and determination and, 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 you know, just getting out of your way. I think one of the biggest pieces of success that, that I've achieved is I found some, somebody's is he's, he's the CEO of our company today. I found, I found him in, in 1997 by pure accident. 
And I realized that he had something that I didn't have. And I, so I just, I, I held on to those, um, what's it called? You know, coattails. And I've been riding those for a while. This guy's an entrepreneurial genius. He operates at a different level. Um, and uh, it was, it was so, he was so much more free than me to think big that I just kind of borrow his thinking. Now, the problem with that is I get a lot of credit for it. And, and it's credit that I'm a little uncomfortable with because it's mostly him. But. Um, cool. <laughs> I like it. Let's. Um, That's awesome. So I'm going to, we don't typically do a lot of, this isn't, as you could tell, not a Q&A type of, type of, type of interaction podcast, but we do have some Q&A in, in this. Oh, and, really? Yeah, a little bit okay. of Q&A. A little bit of Q and A. What is uh, what is the hardest thing you've ever gone through in your life, and what is the what is the happiest thing you've ever done in your life? I uh, the hardest thing I've ever gone through in my life. I kind of hate to say it. I really don't want to say it, but I'm in the middle of it right now. But I can't tell if this is the hardest thing I've ever done or if it's just what's what's right in front of me. And that's my parents getting older. It's it it just, you know, wanting them to be healthy and and them not being healthy. And then they're kind of teetering. They're on their own. They're independent. But I know that there's going to be a certain time and day that, that that's going to stop. I mean, John, you've gone through yeah, that. Yeah, of man. course. Of course. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, it's not easy. That's I can't tell. I can't tell if that's the hardest thing I've ever done. You know, building a tech unicorn is pretty difficult. By the way, I'll tell you about revenue. It was really hard to go from zero to a million, and then it was even harder to go from a million to ten million. And that was really difficult. But the thing, the reason why that made that less difficult is because you know there are six or seven other people that were in on this thing, so. It, it wasn't just me. And so it didn't seem like it was all that bad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was difficult. Yeah. Raising kids is tough too. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, you've but done I a pretty damn good, good job at it from what I can see. So. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> but uh, what was the, the second one? The second one, one was just the happiest thing, thing you've, you've, you've ever done for your, let me, let me preface this. What's the happiest thing you've ever done for yourself? Well, see, I don't really work like that, John. I don't. I don't necessarily do things for myself. I understand, I understand I that, but even things that you, we do for others, sometimes, sometimes we do it for ourselves to some extent. Well, so that's that's my approach: is that if I if I invest in other people, then uh, I always I tell people at, at 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 the company that if they do well, I do well, and you can't flip that, and that's true, and and I appreciate that. What they don't know is what I'm saying is you better do a good job and you better get on it. And, um, and you know, we're not, we're not, we're not just to have them around because we like them. Um, but uh, the happiest thing I've ever done, it's simple, dude. I can't believe you'd ask me this question, <laughs> but it was meeting Adela, meeting my wife and getting married. Yeah. I mean that's been the greatest thing. I mean, she if she if she ever leaves me, I'm going with her. 
I mean, she ain't gonna never leave you. <laughs> Yeah, I, I make way too much money. <laughs> She's actually right over there. Uh, oh, that's hilarious. Uh, I, yeah. I, I, okay. Oh, no, I was just going to say that I actually have a question for you. Um, and I'm not sure because uh, if you actually have a miracle morning routine, but if you did, what would that actually look like from somebody who's a mir- like a miracle morning routine? Something that you would do that has built, keep you consistent um in in your everyday operations just to make sure you're always staying a focused. habit what's a, what's a, what's like? a habit that you that you that you have every single day for yourself shower uh, other, shower. other than other than, <laughs> other than keeping our bodies I, I'm clean i'm hoping that you do <laughs> uh i you know i waffle i waffle between a couple of habits you know one is i try to read something early that's i'm in and out of that the other is exercise that's the first thing i do is i get out and i just walk and um, that's been a pretty good ingrained habit. Um, one that I missed that I need to pick back up that I had for the longest time is I, I tried as hard as I did this. I, you don't know this, but I did this to you, John, is that I'll call someone really early in the morning and tell them I was thinking about them and, and just, you know, say it's pretty cool that you're in my life. So that's happened to you. And it's happened at a point where I was hoping that you would need some encouragement like that. But that one, I need to get back into that one. I got a little weak on that one. Um, but the most consistent one's going to get weird. Hang on. But the most consistent one is I've prayed every day. I've prayed every day. For, yes, there we go. Probably for, oh gosh maybe 20, 22 years straight. It was, it's probably a little more than 22 years because I picked it up right before my first child was born. And I've, I haven't missed a day on that one. And, and that, that's, that's been the biggest thing. That is amazing. That is amazing. I love that's that. That's awesome. I love that. That's awesome. I really I do. love that. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you are good about, about doing those calls as well. So I, your, your calls, some of your calls came to me at a, at a very opportune moments. And I appreciate that very much. I know. So, you just, you didn't know that I did that on purpose. I did not know you did that on you purpose. You just thought it was. I thought it was a. You just thought it was. I thought was it was a coinkadink. All the stars were on. I thought What's it was that? a coinkadink. It wasn't. No. No. <laughs> You know, I, I try as hard as I can when somebody pops in my head in a positive way to um, to let them know about that. And I, that's that's. But you know what, though. So back to what you said, John, is that is that you? Yeah, you do these things uh, because they help other people. But ultimately, you get um, you know the benefit out of that. It's not that's not my strategy, but that always is what happens. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. So what's, what's the next chapter for Chris Elmo looks like? What does the next chapter looks like from, and it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be detailed just from a high level perspective. I thought maybe we could, you know, move back in together and we could just. (laughs) (laughs) Now I really laughed about that one. Wow! Wow! Yeah, we're 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 definitely. What what was that thing you you said about doing something twice stupidly as a as a failure? (laughs) Yeah, going against it. Yeah, that's a failure. Hey, uh, so I, I don't know. I don't I don't know the answer to that question. But let me tell you the fourth 
things. I think I got four things that are running around in my head. By the way, I've got a big opportunity to capitalize on what I'm doing right now. So as, as far as I'm concerned, I don't have any future plans other than to finish this thing that we started uh, with the tech company. That's it. That's the big thing. And, you know, whether that's this year or next year or two, three, four years down the road, I, I'm pretty much stuck on that. You know, when you start a company, you still can get fired from that company. You know that, right? I mean, the people have a fallacy that there, there's a fallacy that if you start and own a company that you're kind of somehow impervious of negativity and uh, decisions made without you or about you. Uh, and all of that's false. It's every, it still has all the trappings and maybe even more of the trappings if you work for somebody yeah. else. It doesn't yeah. matter. And, and you can't be a gunslinger. I mean, you can't be, you know, it's my way or the highway. That's done. I'm glad that's over with business. So as, as far as I know, I'm going to stay where I am and see this thing through. It, it, I mean, who knows? There, there's a possibility that uh, they may want me to go or, you know, if that's the case, then I will. But I don't, I'm, I'm not making any plans on leaving, which is rare. Because I quit the company three times in the last four or five years. <laughs> and, but here's the thing. On my list, I'll see what you guys think. On my list, I have, I want, uh, maybe I'll start another tech company. So that's one. The second thing is maybe I'll double down on this teaching thing that, and, you know, go full time, be an associate or an assistant or something. Um the third thing is, you know, I've, we've already talked about the prayer thing, but the third thing is to is to do some more more full time ministry. In in you know, I, I play in church today, and I play music, and I love playing music, and and so that's a possibility. The fourth thing is I uh, might become a street musician. Okay, all right. Oh, that one's interesting. Yeah. And yeah, my, and, in and my and my expertise is going to be hairband songs, 1980s hairband songs on the ukulele. <laughs> By the way, Francisco, <laughs> he plays the hell out of the ukulele. Chris plays the hell out of the ukulele. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. No, I mean, it's, yeah. no, I saw, I, saw, I saw some pictures of guitar, the electric guitar. I didn't think that you'd actually play the ukulele. No, I, I, um, I, I got um, Adela bought me one for Christmas one year. She's, she, she buys me all kinds of instruments, which is great. Um, but she bought me one and then I, we bought another one and then, um, and then I just started getting into, it. I love it. It's on my website, the chrisalmore.com. You should go check it out. I think I got a Motley Crue song on there. <laughs> oh, I'm definitely going to check it out. And anybody listening, um, you want more information on Chris, you can go ahead and check them out. Check, Chris, let them know where they can actually connect with you and find you. Yeah, there's the website, but all social media is the T H E Chris Almore anything linkedin's great love to connect on linkedin instagram i post some really stupid stuff on instagram facebook uh i do that because my mom by the way my dad he got he got texting and social media mixed up so i used to get these texts from him that would say beautiful sunday (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Facebook really just shifted to, to, yeah, to the older generation. In 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 his uh 
I don't, I'm not bashing on my dad because when I was talking about someone like this at the office, I was like, I wonder when we get in our 70s and 80s, hopefully we'll be lucky enough. I wonder what technological advances, because you know that they're going to be there, that what technological advances when I'm in my 70s and 80s, I'm not going to be able to deal with. Yeah. I think that's fascinating. It's coming. By the way, that's why I want entrepreneurs to think like that. You know, that's what I want. That what is what is a what is a, a technological advance that I can put on somebody and in 10 years they just can't grasp it, you know? So but um so the the Chris Elmore, any social media outlets, even the website, I'd love to connect with Nice. Nice. That's amazing. Well, I mean, I really enjoyed. Well, this, this has been this imma- immensely rewarding for me as well. So, yeah, I don't. I don't believe either of you guys. I want. I'm <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm hoping you share this with your students because I think they'll definitely get a kick out of this. I don't know. I don't know if they. Uh, um, I don't know if they uh, need to know all of this personal stuff. <laughs> I also think that it would be a bad idea. If my students knew I was a bad student, I think that's a bad idea. So we could just keep that to ourselves. I don't care if they know after they graduate, but in the middle of it, I need a little respect. um, See, I think the opposite. I think think inspiration comes from stuff like that. You know, I, I think, you know. Well, you might be right about that. I don't like to talk about the issues I had in school because I'm dead serious about this. Is because they're no longer an issue. Yeah, and I, I just left it where it was, and it needs to stay there. And mm-hmm. I don't need. To, I, I haven't signed up for the fact that I, I had issues in school because it doesn't. It has no bearing on my life right now. So I just left it right where it was. On that. On note, that note, thanks, we'll leave guys. that where it where it was. <laughs> <laughs> thanks. Appreciate you Thank you, Chris. Me. We appreciate you, and I appreciate it. And Thank we will so be talking much, again soon. Thanks, guys, and uh, listen to to this episode and many others, and uh, you can check out more uh, via our podcast and and, uh, our website, peak15capital.com. Thanks for listening to the Jalal Azar podcast presenting Breaking Resistance. Make sure to keep the conversation going by following us on Instagram and LinkedIn and check out our latest projects by visiting www.peak15cap.com. I'm Jalal John Azar. And I'm Francisco Herrera, and this is Breaking Resistance.